0: In the unlikely event that you are not aware of this day on the calendar, today is Father's Day. And Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, except you don't spend as much money on the present or the card. A father. What is a father? He's a man who carries pictures in his billfold where money used to be. He's a man that spends the first two years of a child's life encouraging that little one to talk and walk. And then he spends the next 16 years telling that same child to sit down and be quiet. That's what a father is. Well, in Luke chapter 15, we have the story of a father. And it's actually one of the most tender, most beautiful stories that Jesus ever told. It's actually sometimes been referred to as the pearl of the parables. And as I think about that story as it's related in Luke chapter 15... I can in my mind's eye with my sanctified imagination. I can see the young man in that story calling out to his father. And he tells his father, he says, Father, Dad, I want to talk to you. Now, as a father, I can feel the joy welling up in that father's heart. I can see the sparkle in his eye, the anticipation in his eyes as he waits to talk to his son. You see, when your son says, Dad, we need to talk, or Dad, I want to talk to you, that's not like it when your wife says, We need to talk. When your wife says to you, We need to talk. You can be 99.9% sure nothing good of it's going to come for you. Either you did something wrong, or you didn't do something that you were supposed to do, or you said something in the wrong tone of voice. Whatever it is, when your wife says, Honey, we need to talk. Those are the most terrifying words any husband can hear. But when this boy says to his father, I want to talk to you. That is music to the father's ears. Because like most young men and their fathers, I'm quite sure their relationship is somewhat strained at this point in the young man's life. Because there usually comes a time in the life of every young man when conversations with their father are infrequent if not altogether non-existent. So this father being human, loving his son, is grateful for any opportunity for them to talk. And yet the very next words out of the son's mouth dash any hopes this father has for a meaningful conversation. Because it's then that the young man says to his father, I don't want to wait around for you to die. I want my inheritance now. I can almost see the defiance in his eyes and hear the demanding tone of voice. I want you to give me my inheritance now. And I see the father staggered and taken aback By the insolence of his son. And I also see him unwilling to challenge the incorrigible young man. So numbly. The father goes to where he keeps his money. And he retrieves it. And hands to his son his portion of the inheritance. Oh I can imagine. I can imagine how desperately that father wanted to warn his son son don't go and don't go and squander this inheritance but he also knew something else he knew that that would just be so much noise he knew he would be wasting his breath and he knew the son would just give him the look And so, he said nothing. I want you to use your sanctified imagination. And I want you to see by an eye of faith. I want you to see the sadness in that father's eyes. As he watched that son walk down that road. I want you to see the tears well up in his eyes as he watches him go down the road until he's out of sight. A child he had held within moments of his birth. A child he had cherished from that moment on disappears down that long road without so much as a backward glance. It didn't take long. This young man went to the far country but it didn't take long for his escapades and exploits to reach home and hearing of those escapades and the apparent indulgences in pleasure it only grieved his father even more oh my but that boy was having the time of his life a pocket full of money why that would buy him all the pleasure and all the happiness he could want And he found himself surrounded by the kind of fast-moving friends he had always wished that he'd had. No more sleepy farmers and dull herdsmen for this boy. No more plain and, and simple female farm neighbors for him. The fast life of the city was for him and oh my goodness, it was even better than he had imagined. But guess what? A great tragedy struck this young man. His fingers touched the bottom of his money pouch and it was empty. And he couldn't believe just how quickly his money had vanished. And he had absolutely no skills for a worthwhile trade or occupation. And not only that, as soon as his hands had no sooner reached the bottom of his money pouch than suddenly all of his newfound friends had disappeared. And he's desperate for money. But he got the news that there was a local pig farmer that had an opening for a hired hand. And so this lonely, hopeless, forlorn boy Managed to land a job slopping hogs. Look at him. See him. He's left home with a pouch full of money. And now, as he slops those hogs day after day, his spirits are sinking. And then suddenly, one morning, a light comes on in his brain and he came to his senses. Jesus says he came to himself. And he said, what am I doing here? The hogs are just busy gobbling at the trough. And he says, what am I doing here? And like he expected those swine to answer him and they didn't. And his thoughts turned to home. And his thoughts turned to that loving father that he had walked away from. And he realized something. He realized that his father's hired servants... Live better than he did. And he began to think out loud and he began to talk out loud and he began to, he thought, said to himself, if I was working for my father, I'd be able to eat better than I am here because the slop he was feeding the hogs started looking good to him. All of this, those pigs didn't look up from their breakfast. They just, and just kept eating. But he resolved in himself, I'm going to go to my father. And I'm going to talk to my father. And I'm going to tell my father, I want to offer to be one of his servants. Now imagine what's going through his heart. He remembered in his mind, he remembered the way he broke his father's heart the day he left home. Can you imagine the anguish he was feeling, wondering if his father would even have him back? But he makes his way toward home. And I see the father. One afternoon absently just staring out a window looking down the road. He had done that a lot. It was the same road he had seen his son walk down as he left home that day. And off in the distance he, he sees something. Something that surprises him. A tiny figure advancing toward the farm on the horizon and the figure comes closer and the father wonders could it be? no, certainly not it does look like it is this this young man's gait is noticeably slower though his shoulders are stooped but as he got closer there was no doubt The father realized, that's my boy. He's home. The father runs out of the house and he starts running down the road toward his son. See, there he goes. Robes flagging in the wind. And the young man looks up. He sees his father running toward him and his knees buckle. What's going to happen to me? he thinks. What punishment is my father going to exact? Am I going to be whipped? Am I going to be exiled? And he realizes his only chance, his only chance for survival is nothing more than pure contrition. And as the boy's father reaches him, the boy says, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I don't deserve to be your... And guess what? (laughs) His father's not even listening. He told the servants, he said, you go kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on the boy's finger. Put a robe on his back. I can see that father as he embraced that son. I see the tears of joy streaming down his cheeks. I see him holding that boy's face and grinning at him and smiling at him. till that boy smiled back? And I hear him shouting. The neighbors heard him shouting. The servants heard him shouting. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a celebration. We're having a homecoming feast and a family reunion My son that was lost has been found. But you have to ask, as you look at that story, why did the boy do it? Why did that boy leave home and go to the far country? It wasn't because he got up on the wrong side of the bed one morning. He didn't get up and come to the desperate conclusion and And wake up one day and say, you know, I'm going to see just how big a mess I can make out of my life. He wasn't a monstrosity. And he wasn't in the least bit abnormal. If we actually read the story objectively, that young boy in that story is a whole lot like you and I are. And he was no more eager to wreck his life than you and I are eager to wreck our lives. When he said to his father, Father, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want my part of the inheritance now. He wasn't, on, wasn't planning that he would land in the hog pen by the trough of swill slopping hogs. That wasn't part of his long-range plan. And he didn't go off into the far country because he wanted to see how much pain he could cause his father. He wasn't trying to spite his father or anybody else. If the truth was known and told in the story, he probably regretted that his father took his going away so much to heart. Probably thought he was a sentimental old fool for taking it to heart. But he was not so vicious that he deliberately wanted to hurt his kindly father. He had no desire to turn his father's hair gray before his time. He didn't really want to see his father wet his pillow with tears night after night. So why did he leave? Why did he go away? Are you listening? He went away. Because he was seeking to please himself, and only himself. He thought he would be much freer in that big world beyond home. And he thought that greater freedom would bring him a greater joy and a much better time in life. He was simply bent on living his own life, living it his own way, doing his own thing. Like so many people still are. He was so intent on pleasing himself that he had no thought for any loss or pain that might come to himself or to anyone else. Of course, he wounded his father. And yes, he wounded him deeply. But that was not part of his purpose. All he was trying to do was live life unhampered by any of the restraints that home authority might put on him. Self-pleasing. The desire to please self. Beloved, that is the very essence of sin. And Jesus says if we are to follow Him, we have to be willing to deny self. Pleasing self. Selfishness. Is expensive. That man or woman who is determined to please self is a man or a woman that is doomed to pay a terrible price. And yet, the individual is not the only one that pays. If the desire to please self becomes my God, It will hurt me. But it's also going to hurt others. This is on the final exam. No one ever sinned without wounding someone else. The desire to please self cost this son... The fellowship of His Father and the joys of home. And the moment that self-will becomes the goal of any soul is the moment that soul breaks with God and loses all sense of fellowship with God and that soul becomes a homeless wanderer. To go away from God is always to go away from our true home. And until we can sing with the psalmist, Lord, thou hast been my dwelling place in all generations. Till we can say that, there's nothing but disappointment and homesickness for any of us. This boy had a desire to please self. And his desire to please himself. Cost him his freedom. And that's the tragic irony of the story. Because it was his freedom he went out in search of. It was in his hour of self will. His hour of desiring to please self. He said to the father. He said give me. And then by the swine trough on his way home, he came back to his father and he says, Make me. Give me my inheritance. Make me as just one of your servants, father. There's as much difference in those two requests as there is in death and life. Give me what's mine. Make me a servant. When he said, give me. I must be free. I must do as I please. But the road that he sought to find freedom on was a road that led to slavery. And he ended up joining himself to a citizen of the country, and that citizen sent him to the fields to slop the hogs. And there's the word there. He said to the father, he said, give me my inheritance. The hog farmer sent him. And that's the word. His own will wasn't consulted. It was the will of someone else. He didn't go to slop the hogs. He was sent to slop the hogs. And it's an old and constantly repeated story. Samson of old sought his freedom. And so Samson goes down for a holiday in the city of Gaza. And the outcome of Samson was fetters of brass and slavish grinding in the prison house, blinded because they'd put his eyes out. And the desire to please self. The price this boy paid was doing a mean and sordid task. He was sent to the field to feed swine. What a humiliation for this young Jewish boy. Can you imagine a more pathetic way for this boy to be using his life than out slopping the hogs? And we understand it. And we understand the full tragedy of it in the light of the things, the fine things he might have done. For him to be in the swine pen, that's, that's bad enough. But to be there feeding the hogs when he had the perfect right to be at home in the Father's house, that's even worse. The terrible, awful truth about self will is that it not only sets us to do tasks that are sordid and worthless. But self-will robs us of the joy of putting our hands to tasks that are worthwhile. This young boy's selfishness, his desire to please self, actually cost him everything. The story says that he spent everything he had. His fingers touched the bottom of his money pouch. He became a moral and spiritual bankrupt boy. And he ended up with an empty heart and an empty belly and a gnawing cry that made him say, I perish with hunger. But thanks be to God. That's not the end of the story. He came to himself. That is when he was doing all those wild and foolish things. He was not of himself. Self will. Selfishness. The desire to please self. And no one but self. Is nothing less than moral insanity. Insanity. coming to himself means that not only did this boy recover his sanity but having done so he faced the facts about himself he did something that's always smart he looked the truth squarely in the face and he realized something he was perishing with hunger he was starving to death and he realized he was doing so needlessly because he realized that his father's hired servants had bread enough and to spare. And having come to his senses, having come to himself, he made a decision. He said, I'm going to arise and I'm going to reform. No, he didn't. That's not what he said. Reformation is good, but that's not good enough. He resolved to go to the Father. He said, I will arise and I will return to my Father's house. I'll never stop until I come face to face with God. Who is this boy? The prodigal son as he's come to be known. He is that poor soul who's flung away from his father and wasted his substance with riotous living. As is every man and woman on the top side of God's green earth who's living life outside the will of God. Everyone who's not living God's kind of life. And for those not living God's kind of life, the wisest thing that can ever be done is to turn their steps back toward God. I don't know what's going on in your world this morning. Have you gone away from God? Are you living life in the will of God? Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life? Or are there changes that need to be made? Right now, this morning, If Jesus Christ is not Lord and Master of all of your life, He's not Lord and Master at all in your life. Can we help you make the changes necessary for Jesus to be Lord of your life? If we can help you, come and let us do that as together we stand and while we sing.